everyone, this is April Hansen, the Associate Editor for Arkansas Catholic, and this is our third episode of Arkansas Catholic Asks, where we ask questions of some of our newsmakers in the church and what matters most to you. Today we have Catherine Phillips, the Respect Life Office Director for the Diocese of Little Rock. Thanks so much for sitting down with me, Catherine. And uh, Catherine became Director of the Respect Life Office in 2016 and attends Our Lady of the Assumption Church in Boonville. Before stepping into this role, she worked in education, the medical field, and directed youth ministry and faith formation at her parish for 10 years. So that's a long time. (laughs) Um, So tell me, today we're going to talk a little bit about the changes to this year's Mass for Life and also updates to the Project Rachel program. But as with all our guests, we like to ask an icebreaker question. So Catherine, tell me what makes our church, the Catholic Church, unique? Okay, well, what stands out to me, I think, is that through the sacraments, we're invited to have such an intimate encounter with our Lord. Jesus comes to us in the gift of Eucharist, so how much more intimate can you get? Um, And just consider reconciliation. It's Jesus personally healing our brokenness and inviting us to have this intimacy with him. I think these sacramental encounters allow us to get up close and personal with our God and have this very personal relationship with Christ. And I think when we experience his love in this way, we're invited not only to love him back, but to love others with that same life-giving love. That's beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Well, and it takes a special type of person to do pro-life work, so I wanted to know Really, my first question would be, when did you feel a call to do this? Well, honestly, I never imagined myself doing this type of work. Truly, it was God who led me here. During all my years that I volunteered in parish ministry, I did do pro-life work. I helped at pregnancy centers. I taught about pro-life issues like adoption or abolishing the death penalty. I took our youth on mission trips, and I worked against violence and poverty, I did lots of pro-life things, but I never considered this my calling or even my passion in all my years of ministry. However, um, what I did and what I still do have passion for is meeting people and looking for the face of Christ in each encounter. I guess I've always tried to meet people where they are in life, however different their circumstances might be from mine. Each person is created in the image and the likeness of God and should be treated with dignity and respect. And so that's what I'm passionate about, even when I mess up and fall short. And I guess now that God has brought me to this ministry, I have realized that all our pro-life work actually begins there. To build the culture of life, we must realize that each person no matter what stage of life they're in, every person has value and they can't be thrown aside or considered worthless. That's beautiful. Well, and I know that you've experienced a lot of loss in your life. Um, Your husband died in October 2017 from cancer and um, I know today is especially hard, um, is December 18th, which has been six years since your 19-year-old son, Daniel, who was a seminarian, was killed in a car accident. Um, so tell me, has experiencing those losses altered the way you view pro-life work? Because, you know, a common phrase that we hear in the pro-life community is life is precious. 
And I think that concept really becomes even stronger with loss. Okay, yes. Um, today actually is the sixth year anniversary of my son Daniel's death. And yeah, I have experienced loss. I really do miss my son. I really miss my husband who died just over a year ago. And yes, when someone we love dies, um, I think we do become acutely aware of how precious each moment of life is. But in faith, we know that um, it's only through our earthly death that we'll live forever in our heavenly home. And that's what I hold on to. God is so good. In terms of pro-life work, um, this helps me to keep a balanced perspective and to realize even more that while the good work we do is certainly about protecting the very beginning of life and also about respecting the dignity at the end of life, it's just as much about every single precious moment in between those times. So don't waste a day-to-day -day encounter. See Christ in everyone you meet today because life is precious. Absolutely. Well, and I do want to talk about, obviously, there's a lot of upcoming activities surrounding the Mass for Life weekend, um, which I'm sure has dominated your life the last couple months, or really even the past year. <laughs> um, so I definitely want to talk about that. Um, it starts, the festivities, I guess you could say, start on January 19th at 5 o'clock with the first Adult Hearts for Life conference at St. John Center in Little Rock. So tell me, what will the speakers discuss? Okay, well, thank you for asking about this. Um, so uh, we have a great lineup of speakers um, for this conference. We have uh, Mrs. Karen Hoyt, who's a lovely lady, a parishioner at St. Joseph Parish in Conway, and she'll share what it's like to remain pro-life in the face of an adverse prenatal diagnosis. Uh, Mr. Patrick Gallagher from the Director of Catholic Charities is gonna join me on a panel um, that's going to talk about end-of-life decisions and issues. And Deacon Matt Glover is going to help us um, understand the impact of pro-life legislation and the likelihood of uh, overturning the Roe versus Wade decision and what that might mean moving forward in pro-life work. Okay. Wow, that's actually a really good lineup for the first go-around. <laughs> well, tell me, you know, the Catholic Youth Ministry Office puts on a fantastic Weekend for Life conference for teenagers. So why is it important that your office offers something for adults? Well, first of all, let me agree with you and acknowledge <laughs> that um, the Diocesan Youth Ministry Office has done a fantastic job for years. They have this Youth Weekend for Life that brings in nationally known pro-life speakers and gives teens and their chaperones uh, opportunity to come together in a really powerful way as larger church and express our faith and our belief in the dignity of every human life. But pro-life issues aren't just the concern of our teens. College students, adults, senior adults, uh, families with young children, everyone is part of our pro-life community. And so our new Hearts for Life conference is designed to help our diocesan pro-life activities just be more inclusive of everyone. In fact, um, in addition to our lineup of speakers, 
I know that they, we have a couple of families that have already registered that are bringing children with them. So we're going to have a pro-life movie and activities for young children who attend with their parents. So it's truly going to be a family event. We'll also have a time of prayer with exposition and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And plus, participants will have dinner on Saturday evening, breakfast on Sunday morning, and um, if you're traveling to Little Rock from out of town, which we hope many people will be, then you can have this convenient, economical overnight accommodations in Fletcher Hall. So our cost is $40 per person or $20 if you don't need an overnight room. And yes, um, we do have a registration deadline. So it's January 7th, um, but we're going to ex accept registrations as long as our space is available. That's wonderful. And if for some reason, so hopefully everyone listening is already registered. I hope. <laughs> um, and if not, they will become registered. Um, and if for whatever reason they can't this year, um, is this something that you hope to do next year in the future? We do. We certainly hope to. In fact, um, we've already contacted potentially a speaker for next, next year. Mm -hmm. uh, not, okay, so that would be... 2020. 2020. Wow. <laughs> um, and hopefully this will take off and become something that we can continue to do and offer to everyone in our diocese. That's wonderful. Well, um, also wanted to talk about the, uh, the weekend, you know, going forward on Sunday, um, we have a Eucharistic procession that'll start at 10 a.m. Uh, so this is before the Mass for Life. Uh, Bishop Anthony B. Taylor uh, will lead the Eucharistic procession from the plaza in front of the Doubletree Hotel in downtown Little Rock through Riverfront Park, um, which will be about a mile, um, and the procession will include prayers and music. So this is definitely different. This is a very you know visual um, example of our Catholic faith um, for everybody to see. So what do you hope that people will gain spiritually from the procession? Oh, I am so excited about our new Eucharistic procession. Um, as we walk through Little Rock with Jesus physically present in the Blessed Sacrament, we'll be expressing our faith and our hope in how Christ is with us in our daily lives. He walks where we walk. And so with Jesus himself, we'll go out into the streets to bring joy, to give hope, and to celebrate life. Um, recently, I read something in a previous edition of our Sunday Visitor that said that Processions have great biblical, liturgical, and popular pietistic importance. And um, I think about the processions with the Ark of the Covenant or Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Uh, the article I read said that processions of the faithful enable Christians to give public witness to their faith and to give glory to God. And they're also a symbol of our earthly pilgrimage to the heavenly Jerusalem. So. And, that's, and it is going to be very powerful because, you know, um, the Catholic population in Arkansas, while it's vibrant, it's not the majority. So it's a really good way to really just show our faith. I think it'll be really good. So, so I guess, do you hope that people... Um, just what kind of you know spirituality do you hope that they gain from this? Well, um, just mostly, I suppose, uh, deepening of our practice of faith, the opportunity to express our faith publicly, to come together and experience larger church and be strengthened 
by Jesus present with us in the Eucharist. What to expect in terms of what we're actually doing, we'll gather together on the plaza at the Doubletree Hotel and we'll be walking through the Riverfront Park. The procession is a mile long, but participants don't have to journey the whole mile if uh, mobility is an issue. But we'll be stopping along the way at different stations of the procession and different groups have volunteered to man those processions, so to speak, to set up altars where we can place the Blessed Sacrament for a brief time and have a time of prayer and singing together. And then um, as we move through the, the Riverfront Park, we end up back at the Doubletree, uh, sorry, back at the Robinson Center Performance Hall where we'll celebrate the Mass for Life. And what a beautiful um, expression right before Mass, you know, and it leads, it's just this procession that leads into the Mass for Life. So um, I know that this is actually, this year we're doing one Mass for Life for both adults and teens at Robinson Center. So why have one Mass instead of two? Well, I guess the real question is, why have a diocesan Mass for Life? And I think I'd like to answer that first. So, um, because it's an invitation for all Catholics throughout the diocese to come together to celebrate Mass, mass with our bishop presiding um, as a sign of our unified response to the attacks of the culture of death that are so present in our world today. Um, it's an invitation for everyone to come together in faith and hope as the body of Christ and the church in Arkansas celebrating life. This has been our tradition for many years. We've had this diocesan mass in January, close to the National Day of Prayer for the legal protection of the unborn. And um, we do this because we remember the 60 million lives lost to abortion since the 1973 decisions of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. Um, when I was uh, reading through information on the National Day of Prayer, the USCCB reminds us that uh, these abortions reflect just the heartbreaking magnitude of what Pope Francis calls our throwaway culture. And uh, it's important to come together and remember that we trust in God's providence, that we're reminded uh, time and again that scripture um, encourages us to seek the Lord's help so as a people of faith, we believe that our prayers are heard and we are invited to come together for this special diocesan Mass for Life. So in the past few years, um, the youth that have attended the Weekend for Life have had a separate Mass just because logistically the cathedral couldn't accommodate such a large number of people at one time. So this year, however, we're moving back to the newly remodeled Robinson Center Performance Hall and that is a large enough venue that they're seating enough for all of us to come together in one celebration. So people that are listening that have missed the Mass for Life, you're not going to want to miss it because there will be seating. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not a problem. There's yeah. plenty of seating for us all. Well, and though the weekend I know is about speaking out against abortion, obviously, it's also about promoting a consistent ethic of life. Um, which is what Bishop Taylor has said over and over again. So why is it important to look at pro-life work as more than just being against abortion? Because when you look at the reasons that women have abortions, there are many things that really connect back to pro-life issues, including poverty. 
Mm. So, of the many attacks on life in our world today, abortion does need our urgent attention. We have to give priority to fighting against this grave evil. So many unborn babies have been killed, and the toll that abortion takes um, on countless mothers, fathers, grandparents, children and families is immeasurable. So we must defend the human rights of the unborn. But we can't stop there. Um, Doctor-assisted suicide is a pervasive threat to people who are weak and vulnerable. Someone who's elderly or disabled or dying has value and worth and their lives matter until the very last moment. There are other issues that need our attention too. If we recognize the God-given dignity of every person, then we don't cast off someone who's a slave to even the most grievous sin. We must continue to look for the face of Christ even in those who commit murder. Pope Francis recently revised our catechism calling the death penalty inadmissible because it's attack, an attack on the dignity of the human person. And you mentioned poverty, and there are so many other issues that are important to our pro-life work. I have a quote that actually came from Bishop's homily two years ago in 2017. I'd like to read that for us. Absolutely. Our bishop reminded us, our defense of life doesn't stop when the baby leaves the womb, nor is it limited to medical matters like euthanasia and fetal stem cell research, nor matters of law like the death penalty, nor matters of compassion like the welcoming of refugees, though all of this is included. Our defense of life is a seamless garment that embraces all of life. So having a consistent ethic of life means that we recognize the God-given dignity of each person from the first moment of conception until natural death and at every stage in between. It means that we stand up for every person who's belittled or marginalized, that we're willing to help each person in need. So we may not individually have all the resources or even all the right answers to correct all the injustices of our world, but each one of us can recognize the dignity of each person we meet. We can see the face of Christ and respond to the need as God calls and directs each of us to do. Absolutely. Well, and this year's Mass for Life and all the activities surrounding it, it just sounds like it's going to be a very beautiful and spiritual experience. So you'll be able to breathe once it's all done <laughs> until next year, and then the planning um, continues. Um, but I also wanted to take the chance to talk to you a little bit about Project Rachel, and um, that's a ministry for women and men who seek healing after an abortion. Um, the program has been around since 1991 and has focused mainly on free confidential support groups with 11-week sessions twice a year, um, retreats every other year. And I know that uh, Helen Evans was also brought on to assist you as the Project Rachel coordinator, um, something that she's been involved in, I know, for years after going through the program herself. Um, but it's my understanding you are offering more day of 
prayer and healing retreats and now have a confidential phone line. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the changes, you know, why, why they're necessary and the progress that's been made. Sure. So Project Rachel does have a confidential direct phone line, and I'd like to just share the new number. Mm -hmm. It's 501-663-0996. It's up on our website if you don't remember. <laughs> um, it rings directly into the Project Rachel office, so no calls go through our switchboard. And this just adds a greater level of confidentiality, which is really important in our ministry. Um, I'd like to explain that Project Rachel is actually an integrated approach to healing from the spiritual, emotional, psychological, and physical wounds of abortion. And here in the Diocese of Little Rock, we offer one-on-one uh, -on -one response to individuals through professional counselors or through trained lay ministers. We also have referrals to specially trained priests for reconciliation and for spiritual guidance. Now, um, as you pointed out, Project Rachel is best known for our healing support groups, which now meet for eight weeks in the fall and the spring at different locations throughout our diocese. This past fall, we just had three support groups, one that met up in Rogers, one in Jonesboro, and another that met here in Little Rock. Our support groups are wonderful. And I think that women or men who make this journey of healing find lasting peace and they finally forgive themselves. I think they have reconciliation with God, with their church, and even with their babies. However, we have found that um, people are often reluctant to commit to a support group. So last year, we began offering these one-day retreats, our days of prayer and healing. And they're just a means of reaching out to more women and men with this post-abortion healing ministry. These one-day retreats provide an opportunity to begin or to continue the work of forgiveness and recovery from a past abortion. But I think the most important thing is that these retreats just let participants know that they're not alone and that there's hope. Sometimes, um, well often, a person attends a retreat and then they decide to join a support group, but this certainly isn't required. Well, it sounds like that's such an option for, you know, especially people that are busy and just, you know, as you said, can't commit. Um, and I know I wanted to mention Helen, and I, hopefully in the future we can talk to her a little bit more as well, but she's been a part of Project Rachel for a long time, but now she has more of a hands-on role. So what impact has she had in terms of these changes? Oh, gosh. Well, Helen is wonderful. She's, um, first and foremost, a very prayerful woman. And she just has this um, absolutely amazing gift of being able to reach out to a post-abortive woman with really just compassion and, and deep personal understanding. And um, so I think um, besides this gift of just personal interaction, one of the things that Helen really brings to our ministry is the deep spirituality she has. One of the first things that um, she did once we started working together was to um, unite our volunteers in a, a prayer group. 
And so every week this group gathers and they pray very intentionally for Project Rachel, for God's mercy, um, for all the Project Rachel participants, but they especially pray for women and men who are hurting from past abortions but haven't yet reached out and taken the steps towards healing. And um, I guess Helen is really the human face of Project Rachel. Um, if you meet Helen, then you know that healing is possible. You know that real joy is possible. And I think that's such a beautiful um, thing to have her on board because, you know, a lot of people are coming into this, you know, ministry. It, it takes a lot of courage for them to come and share their story and to, you know, come to a place where it's not going to be a judgment, but rather for healing. Um, so I wanted to ask what the long-term goals for the ministry are. Okay, well, um, the main goal, I guess, is simply to provide the opportunity for even more people to encounter Jesus, who's the divine healer, and to provide the support and the resources so that uh, participants can find lasting healing and peace. So now we offer support groups and retreats in both English and in Spanish. We offer our program for women and for men, and we're traveling to all the corners of our diocese. So um, while we do this and just really continue to provide this and expand what we do, um, we are limited by our human and our financial resources. So long term, I guess um, I really need to build up our, our network of dedicated and trained volunteers and, shameless plug, <laughs> probably solicit donations so that our Project Rachel retreats and um, support groups can remain free of charge. You know, in most dioceses, this isn't the case. In fact, um, in some dioceses, the retreats are quite expensive. And um, so I guess if anyone listening would like to donate to Project Rachel Ministry, we'd gladly put your generous contributions to good use. That's wonderful. And I'm sure all our listeners, you know, can understand that this is a good ministry to donate to. Everyone's looking for good, good things to donate to, especially around this time of year and with the new year beginning. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today about your pro-life work and all that's available to our listeners here in Arkansas through the Diocese of Little Rock Respect Life Office. Um, so for more information about this year's Mass for Life and Project Rachel Ministries and just anything that you want to know, uh, visit uh, dolr.org, which is our Diocese of Little Rock website. And as always, we'd like to end our Arkansas Catholic Asks podcast with a prayer relating to the topic of the show. So today, Catherine is going to share a reflection from the materials released by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in October for Respect Life Month, uh, which really focused on the impact of Our Lady of Guadalupe and her appearance to St. Juan Diego and how that message of peace and life urges us to stand up for all life. So, Catherine? Sure. Just before we pray, April, I'd like to thank you and the good work that you do here in our diocese at the Arkansas Catholic. Um, I just think you have a beautiful ministry, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Sure. And so let us pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The essence of our identity is that we are created in God's image and likeness and loved by Him. Nothing can diminish the priceless worth of any human life, 
every person is cherished. God creates every person for eternal union with himself and continually invites us to embrace a loving relationship with him. Every person is chosen. We are called to be messengers of God's love, treating one another as cherished and chosen by him. In doing so, we help build a culture that respects all human life. Every person is sent. Like St. Juan Diego, let us embrace our daily mission to help others encounter God's transforming, life-giving love. Amen. Thank you so much again, Catherine, and this has been Arkansas Catholic Asks.